Okay, well, um, I might have to read most of this because um, we are toilet training two puppies at the moment. So, <laughs> so life is um, in the middle of the night is very interesting and I'm a bit kind of bombshelled by it all, but that's okay. They're just so cute and adorable, I couldn't give them away. A bit like my husband, really. <laughs> Although he's already toilet trained, to just put that in there, he's already toilet trained. Just kidding. <laughs> Anyway, the, the play that you've just seen was actually written in the 19th century by a Danish philosopher called Kierkegaard, who some of you may have heard about. Um, I read it about 30 years ago, and I was always captured by it, and it's been sitting in the front of my Bible for that long, um, and every year I think, I'd love to turn that into a play, I'd love to turn that into a play, and it's never, ever happened, and this year I just really felt nudged to do it, um, so July, which is way too early to think about Christmas plays, but never mind. Um, I sat down and I wrote it into a play. Hi there. You are going to be in Kids Zone next year. That is very exciting for us. <laughs> yeah, do you want to find your dad or mum? There he is. Yeah, I can see him right down there with a the mask on. Excellent. <laughs> Okay, <laughs> so when I um yeah so I I've obviously taken a bit of license with, with the original play, but that's okay because see I figured because I'm part Danish, it's totally legit to do whatever I want with it. Okay, so that's all good. So um, unless you slept through the play, and if you did, shame on you. Um, the message is fairly obvious that God left His throne in order to pursue a relationship with us. That's, that's the message of Christmas, and that's why it is a Christmas parable. But as I've been thinking about it, and like I said, I've had quite a while to think about it, um, I felt the Holy Spirit nudge me to apply a deeper meaning to this. And given the pandemic that we're living in right now, I would like to invite you into the greatest conspiracy. Since the beginning of time, the devil has conspired to lure us away from God. It began in the garden, and he said, you don't need God to tell you what you can eat or what you can't eat, or what you can know or what you can't know. You are masters of your own destiny, and you have the right to do whatever you want. And that turned out so well for us, not, that God had to leave his throne, as the parable explains, leave his rightful place of power, to selflessly pursue a relationship with us. And it's his full intention to leave the throne once again to come back for us. Now what sort of bride will we be? 2 Peter 3 says, Therefore, beloved, since you look for these things, that is a new heaven and earth, that's what's promised when Jesus comes back, be diligent to be found by him in peace, spotless and blameless in peace, spotless and blameless. Now how better to stop us living in peace than by creating division amongst us? I can't remember anything dividing our nation like the pandemic has done, like the vaccination debate has done. I remember the 1981 Springbok tour, and I was quite young, and that divided the nation, but nothing, that pales to what I see going on at the moment, families, friends, colleagues, even churches 
are suffering broken relationships because of the vax, anti-vax debate. This is true conspiracy at work. If the devil can distract us from our job of bringing the kingdom to earth and through fear and self-preservation or self-justification make us sit on the throne and judge people for their decisions, then we are no longer relevant in the world. I can imagine God shaking his head going, one job, people, I gave you one job to do, one job. You see, the greatest lie isn't about whether you or I shouldn't or shouldn't be vaccinated. The lie is that I, standing on whatever platform of belief I have chosen, am entitled to disrespect anyone standing on a different platform. The devil will tell me that defending my right to say, think, or believe what I want is more important than working at a relationship with someone who challenges that. And that is a lie, and that is a conspiracy of the devil. I studied linguistics for my degree at university, in the language of advertising particularly. And so I'm always super aware of words and phrases that people use. And I've listened to so much on TV, that the rhetoric that goes on, that we absorb and we don't even know that we've done it. We repeat phrases that seem absolutely fine, but the subtlety of the division it causes is huge. I just want to give you an example. I've heard vaccinated people say, I did the right thing and got vaccinated, which implies to a non-vaccinated person that they did the wrong thing. And they say, I got the jab because it was a responsible thing to do. That implies to a non-vaxxed person that they're irresponsible. That's the rhetoric. But I've also heard unvaxxed people say, why would you want to put that in your body? Which implies to the vaxxed person that they've done something wrong with their body and they've harmed it in some way. And I've heard them say, it's wiser to wait and see how things play out. To a vaxxed person that means, oh, I've made an unwise decision. Now these statements aren't wrong in themselves. Everyone has a right to their opinion, but I'm just saying, be careful how you say things and think about what you're saying because unknowingly we're drawn into the rhetoric of the world and we can cause offence and division without even realising it. The world's rhetoric around vaccination debate is highly emotive, but defending our viewpoint is never more important than God's mandate to preserve relationship. Okay, God's mandate is to preserve relationship. How we feel about being vexed or unvexed shouldn't be what defines us. How we respond does. While legally we may have to be physically separated and endure different restrictions, we can never adopt a superior attitude or a, well, that was your choice, so live with it. Suck it up. God asks for peace and unity before he returns, and that can only happen when we get off the throne. We can't let the world's behaviour into our church because then we can never fix the world. We will always be seen as impotent and irrelevant. We can't be duped into the devil's conspiracy and be so concerned about being right that we lose sight of the real job, the one job that God asked us to do, to love others. And to do that, we must give up our throne. Okay, let's just pray. Father God, You didn't leave your throne so that we could go sit on it. 
We know we're not called to judge, but to love. Help us, especially in this culture and all the complexities that the pandemic throws at us, not to get distracted, not to be drawn into the world's culture, but rather to always be a reflection of heaven's culture, that of tolerance, love, mercy and grace, so we can transform our own pockets of the world and be a united, peaceable bride for you to return to. Amen. And as far as comes it, and that's all I've got to say about that. <laughs>